Fires on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and sitting across from me, much like myself, up and down is Roy. Oh my gosh! Emotionally, I just don't know what to do about this team. Like, am I in or am I am I giving up on the team? Or like, nope. Now they're coming back and they're looking great for a couple of games, beating the Astros. Uh, oh man, I just I want to see them go on a run and kind of answer the questions. It would be nice. It would be nice to go on a run. Um, and we went to the Saturday game. I went with Michael Price, uh, a friend of ours. From up in LA, and hell yeah, I'll go to the game. And uh, you know, I we sat right next to the press area in 205, and so I went over and t- went over and talked to Bernie Wilson, and he's like, oh, you know, at the very end, we're like, oh, I've this monstrosity. I'm like, yeah, we'll see, you know. <laughs> I look forward to being at that point in my career where I can just be past the I don't I don't give a, a bleep. You know, right. th- that's kind of the attitude that Bernie has. Like he's here to cover the story, and that's it. Yeah, and and he's going to tell you what he thinks. Where the, the other reporters, they kind of have to glad hand yeah. things and yeah, dance yeah. around certain topics. Bernie just shoots from the hip, and I love it. Well, and that that's, and this is how. Let me explain that to you guys that may not know, or just let me talk now. Um, he's an Associated Press. Mm-hmm. Like he said that out loud in the press box. This monstrosity. Um, I talked to Jeff Sanders, what we'll talk about here in a minute um, about. You know, the Mackenzie Gore being transferred over triple uh, over to uh Hi-A. Hi-A, thank you very much. The um and he was like, Yeah, yeah, I heard yeah, yeah. It's really quiet, you know. Keep it, it on the down low yeah, or something. The, yeah, you know, it was like I mean it was on so, the minor league transaction right. log, so it, it's it, not a secret. It was, but like so but he's the he's for the Union Tribune. Him right. and AC and that's what people I don't think people understand is like they're just the beat writers. And that not means that just, but they they need to be glad handing. They need mm-hmm. to polish the turds. They need to do that because it's not their position or their job to like write scathing pieces on, you know, Eric Hosmer's launch angle or lack of launch angle. You know, he can say a few things here and there and, sh- and sure he's kind of an apologist, apologist, but that's the kind of, you know, A, that's his personality and B, he's also looking at from 2,000 feet, you know, 30,000 feet. It's, right. Um, and someone like, AJ Casavell, he's from MLB. He could really probably say whatever the hell he wants because he works for MLB. He doesn't work for the Padres. Yeah, but I, th- I think it's his job to present pretty much everything in a positive light. Right. You know, right. you're not going to see the negative, the Debbie Downer right. articles from him. And they need to cultivate that relationship with the team that gives them the access. Right now, there's limited access, but even still, what access they have. Yeah. They've got phone numbers to people in the front office. Yeah. And, you know, you say the wrong thing, and those people won't answer the phone anymore. Exactly. And Where, so guys like Dennis Lynn, again, mm-hmm. Dennis Lynn writes for The Athletic. He can, but all that stuff. And even when I first started doing this podcast, I asked, you know, I asked John Connors, so like, what if, like, I think it was Kevin Cherry, like, what if, you know, how do we, yeah, obviously we're not going to, like, talk smack about a player, but how do I, like, you know, kind of criticize a player without, he's like, backing up with the numbers. Yep. Donovan's not hitting. Donovan's two for 40. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. And that's what Dennis Lynn does really well. You know? 
you know, you he'll know? put out an article that's being very critical about a player, but he's backing it up with with some real basis to it. Right. And he, he'll talk to people in the organization and get their their actual honest opinion yeah. about it. Or Bernie, he's been with the Associated Press for I don't know, 20, 30 plus years. Eighty I think eighty nine, ninety one or something. Yeah, like that. he's been covering sports for decades. <laughs> San Diego sports for decades. Yeah. Um and so he's there to do his job and, and that's it. He's not there to make friends. Yeah. And I just I love that about about him. <laughs> Well, you know, and today I was listening to the uh, the Kept Faith, the latest Kept Faith, and uh, Dallas McLaughlin was talking about New Padres Twitter, how they're so positive and so upbeat and like, keep the faith. And he's like, F you. <laughs> like, we've kept the faith. It's called the Kept Faith for a reason. We've kept it for a real long time. A long time. It's starting to, you know, it's, it's, start, it's time to start holding these guys' feet to the fire. You know, the Kept Faith is one of the oldest Padres like I, I yeah. don't want to say blog or podcast. I'm not even sure what to categorize it. But yeah, one of the, absolutely. The like independent media entities. They've been yeah. doing this for a New long media. time. Right. Yeah. New media. They, we they were talking about it. Um, it was it was the sign on San Diego like message boards from right back then. Twitter started in 2007. Travis uh, Travis was talking about be, being like one of the first million people on Twitter. Like that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it went to Twitter. You know. But then as people. Even now, it's funny because I was talking to Liddy about it today, and Liddy's like, "Yeah, there's a bunch of people talking about the Padres. I've never, I've never seen those people before." Yeah, you know, and that's fine. Times and, are and, changing, and and I love it. I love it. Let everyone like. There's plenty of room on the bandwagon. Like, thank God, more people are wearing Tatis and Machado jerseys and Musgroves and Paddock jerseys than I ever saw before any of this happened. So Angela and I have been doing a fair amount of traveling this summer, and it's been surprising how many people we see in. We went to Dallas, and I'm seeing people out there with base with Padres hats yeah. on. Padres weren't in town. There's no reason for somebody to be wearing a Padres hat other than the fact that they're a fan. And yeah. you didn't used to see that. So now there is a reason to be excited. It's just we had such a strong beginning to the season, yeah. and then the bottom kind of fell out. And now we're like that like that cat in the poster that's hanging on to the branch. Hang, it's, it's just hang, hang in on. there. Yeah, that, that one. Hang in there. Oh, man. <laughs> and right when you think everything's falling apart, then they have a couple of games like that against the Astros where it's like, okay, it's in there. These yeah. guys still have it. Yeah. And, and where was it? God darn it. And, well, and I loved, so I didn't get a chance to watch the game yesterday, but obviously I kept a hold of it. You know, we kept an eye on it. We were, uh, we were actually hanging out with the prices yeah, and they're down here from LA anyways. And oh, damn, Paddock's still, wow, there it is. First inning up, Paddock gave a run. Oh, second inning up, Paddock gave a run. I guess he limited the damage. I guess he got out of some yeah, scrapes. No crooked numbers. That's fine. And, and then just dealt. And yeah. then the next five innings dealt. And I saw in the seventh inning, I'm like, wow, they're keeping him in the seventh inning. I didn't check the pitch count or anything. Yeah, he wasn't even at 60 pitches yet. Wow. He was doing great. And then he gave up back-to-back home runs. And somebody pointed out that the fastball velocity took a dip. And I'm sure that's why they went out there and and grabbed him. It sounded like Stammen wasn't really ready. Right. He had to get hot real quick. Um, So hopefully everything is okay with with Paddock that he just kind of... You know, ran into a rough patch, Dude, but it's good. It's love watching that guy finally start to look like himself again. And Blake yeah. Snell, he's been amazing the last yeah. what month and a half. Yeah, like all of a sudden he woke up, and he was saying that in the postseason press pressers, like, yeah, I just needed some time to get comfortable. Yeah, I was with one organization for ten years, so making a change from that yeah. is not easy. No. And I, I can't even imagine what that must have been like. Yeah, the, the life that they live where they're kind of nomads throughout the whole season and like their whole life is absorbed in playing baseball. And you know, then and I love yeah. that. I, I love that. I love that he's a human being. Like he has emotions. You know, guys like, you know, we're going to talk about Mackenzie Gore and I'm going to kind of tell you what I think about Mackenzie Gore here in a minute after his start yesterday and how I think like these guys are human. And when 
when things get changed around like that, it doesn't matter if you're a million, $30 million guy or a $150,000 guy. It, it affects you. And But we what we see is we see what we saw in Snell before and like, well, he's a major leaguer. It's the it's dude, just buck up, buddy. Right, yeah. Just, just oh, America. Play less Fortnite or whatever yeah. and yeah. maybe work on your pitching more. It's like, come on, these guys, there's only so many hours in the day. Yeah, he can only lift so much weight before he's lifting too much. Right. He can only throw so much before he's throwing too much. Right. Yeah, you can only look at so much video or analysis or whatever. You got to have some time to blow off the steam. So for him, he goes and he plays video games and goes on on Twitch and streams and has a good time. Yeah. And I love that part of the personality yeah. that we get to see a little bit behind the curtain. Um, oh, did you see the other day? Somebody suggested to Don and Mud that Blake should come up into the booth and hang out with them for an inning. And he was all about it. There's no way the team would ever they, let that would, happen. No. But oh my God, I would love to have him in the booth with those two guys. That would be the the most fun inning of the season, at least from a broadcasting uh, standpoint. God, you know, and, and you guys forget that he won the, when COVID was just rampant. And they had nothing. They had the, they had the MLB the Show tournament, mm-hmm. and it came down to I think him and Taddy. I think one of the, lost in the semis. He yeah. was like the number three guy, and then but Blake Snell won the whole thing. Did he? Why? Because he's the shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's what he does. All right. So like he plays MLB the Show. Um, well, hopefully he's playing like a video game character now, and that continues <laughs> through well into October and beyond. Uh, so the roller coaster continues, and we'll see how you know, and we'll see how we do in in, uh, in Los Angeles. Oh, for sure. But first off, batting leadoff, Mackenzie Gore made his return to affiliated baseball Sunday with a start with the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, okay, nothing was announced till Sunday. So this is what we were talking about a minute ago. It's like nothing was announced till Sunday. You know, it was on the transaction page Thursday night or Friday. Yeah, Friday. So you're thinking, okay, travel day, maybe start on Saturday. You know, and the Tim Cats have already announced their starting pitchers for the whole series. Right. So I, Danny Death was supposed to start that he game. He was. Right. Yeah, and it's not like he's with a taxi squad. He's traveling with the team, but he wasn't officially. No, they made the transaction. Yeah. So I don't understand the secrecy behind not announcing it until then. It was pretty clear. And I mean, uh, I think John Conniff even pointed out that his last appearance was on this date. So five days farther, he should be starting on some point this weekend. Right, right. Which he did. And it wasn't that hard to figure out, but it's weird that they kind of kept it under wraps. Yeah, and I think, and I think that's just like, who cares? Yeah. And and maybe, well, and, and it could be a little who cares. And what I really think, and the reason why he's in Fort Wayne is like, just don't announce it. It's like low stress. Like, dude, just go there. Where I, do you want to go? I, oh, let's go to Fort Wayne. I'll go to Fort Wayne. I, I guess, but I mean, at some point, you can't, you can't baby the guy. Right. He's your top pitching prospect. He sh- he is his clock says he should be ready. So at some point you gotta just you, you can't you can't shelter him from pressure. You you can't. But he's doing he has a new new wind up new delivery that's right. all new. Um, there's you know and like I it goes back to the the, the uh, futures game. Mm-hmm. His first batter he was all over the place. Every other time he threw a pitch in competition was laser focused. First at bat in the Futures game, walk the guy. Right. You know, and, and just so I think there's a human element to them. I think there's a little bit of like, he puts that pressure on himself and he allows it to, and, and, and rightfully so, it's tough. But I think that, my, that pressure might be, you know, his personality may, shows a little more of that, if he cares, you know, that, that he's sensitive, not sensitive, but just it, this pressure. I mean, he's supposed to be a bulldog. Right. right? 
I one factor that I wonder if it played into it is that Fort Wayne is kind of on the edge of a postseason a playoff push. Yeah. So maybe they put him there like how they sent Hassel and Angelis and Valenzuela yeah, to help fortify that team. Yeah, maybe that has something to do with yeah. it. I, I haven't looked and seen what the uh, what AA and AAA are doing. No, but it's so... So do you think he's going to stay in Fort Wayne like for the duration? Or? I do not. I, I think that he'll probably... He has two more starts. There's what? Two more two more weeks left in the minor league season. He's probably going to get one. They might be able to squeeze in two starts. I think what... Um, depending on what the Padres do, I think what they'll do is they'll he'll move on to AAA. If he does, if he does, you know, we'll talk about it here in a minute. Oh, because they have that two week postseason, whatever. Yeah, thing. the finish. I heard it today because I listened to the other podcast. The home stretch. Oh, down the, the home the, stretch. The, the home stretch. So there's an additional two weeks of the season, and where he can get at least one to two starts in AAA. Okay. Now that's if the Padres are likely to do, or if they're apt to do to do that, or if they're, they're just happy with him getting a couple starts in High A. I would think, depending on how much he threw at the complex, because he's already throwing five innings um, via, you know, via the AZL. Right. You know, now he threw five innings easy with uh, with Fort Wayne. I would think they're going to have him pitch at least two more starts out outside of Fort Wayne. Well, and they count everything. They count how many pitches they yeah. throw in every single yeah. bullpen. They, I'm sure they have some way of, of judging it by, like, leverage or how much pressure each pitch has. So there's a workload limit, and it's not just how many innings he's pitched in affiliated ball. How many? Yeah. 82 how many pitches. He pitches. threw 82 pitches on Sunday. Right, but then you add on to that that he threw 30 pitches before going in as he was warming up. And then in his bullpen on his off day, he threw so many pitches. Yeah. Yet at how much effort and all of that, it all factors into some equation. So while he was behind a curtain in the complex, those that, that workload still counts yeah. for his cumulative for the season when yeah. you shut him down. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so anyway, what did he do the other God, day in Fort well, Wayne? Well, the, the first inning was a mess. Uh, you know, you walked the first batter, then single, pass ball, then a sack fly, scored a run. The next batter hit a single, and he was just struggling. Walk, walk. By the end of the inning, he had given up three runs. Um, it was just all over the place. And, you you know, I watched every everything about that start, and... And there it is. He's nothing's changed. Well, and walking the nothing first guy. Now he can't pitch out of the windup. He's out right. of the stretch now. Right. Um, and then you know he, he throw thirty pitches in the first inning, and we're going okay. Let's see. Let's that's first inning. It's fine. Nerves. Blah 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 blah. You know whatever. Um, came in the second inning, and he seemed to settle down. Two ground balls. He uh, it's the second strikeout to end the inning. Um, there were a couple really hard hit balls that were hit or were caught. So people were still getting, the guys were still getting hard contact on him. But this is for Mad Friars. He, he had averaged 13 pitches over each of the next four innings. And though struck out one on 11 of the oh, final. He got strike, he strike one. one. First, first pitch strike, yeah. Out of 11 of the last 14 batters he faced. From the second inning through the fifth, the left-hander allowed just one hit and one walk. Retiring the last seven batters he faced. In all, Gore fanned five across five innings of an 82-pitch start and 52 were strikes. With, you know, so, yeah, two weeks left in the season. He's going to get two more starts there, and then we'll see. Hmm. Well, you know, a, a, he's back on a mound in competitive baseball again. Yeah. So yeah. let's see how the end of the season works out. Uh, the, the people theorizing about how he's going to make it up to the majors at any point, I, that's not something to worry about till next year. I would, I would put it out of your mind. Yep. It doesn't even, it doesn't even uh, won't he happen? It won't happen. Yeah. I'd be freaked out if it happened like, Wow, things are really bad. We really need him. <laughs> yeah, like calling Ryan Weathers up last year in the, in the playoffs to go yeah. face the Dodgers. Yeah, but that was different. It sounded like he was just mowing everybody down yeah. at the uh, at the alternate site. Yeah, the alternate. So you know, that's not quite the case here. 
So that was nice. That was nice. You know, he, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, but well, you're what right. did you think of the mechanics and of the stuff and, so, and all of that that you saw? So one thing that I did notice was as an armchair scout, as a as a guy, as a guy who knows nothing about mechanics, what I saw in the complex, maybe it's camera angles, maybe it was just the way I was, maybe it was camera angles, but he seemed to be more crouched and more, you know, that leg coming back into his body than straight up. In Fort Wayne, in the first inning and, and on, it seemed like that leg, although the hands weren't high above his head like they used to be that his knee was coming straight up and he wasn't turning into himself where, you know, into a, into that kind of crouched windup. As he started doing that, it got better. Okay. So, man, I mean, that's just an observation and it's probably not even correct, but that's what I saw. Hmm. It was subtle and I was just, I mean, I was like, I don't know anything about mechanics, but I'm like, I remember from the, from the, uh, from the complex, like it wasn't so high, the, you know, the epic Mackenzie Gore, high leg kick, high hands. Right. Very crouched, much more athletic, much more repeatable. But then just, he got better as it went along. Okay, well, that's and good. A little bit of chase, you know, guys chasing balls out of the zone. That probably won't play in a higher, you know, a higher competition. But he started to throw strikes, and that's fantastic. And that's really all that matters, just through strikes. And that, and then the changeup looked good. The the, sl- the changeup had 83, 82. Okay. So that's a good 10, 11, 12 um, miles difference between the fastball. I mean, he's hitting, sitting, where did Kevin Charity say? 91 to uh, 81 91 to 96, topped out at 97. Okay, that that's great. You know, and went as low as 89. The velo hasn't really gone anywhere this year. No, it's a little little off and on. I'm not sure if he's throwing it's been the pitch. Com- the command. Yeah. Not just being able to throw strikes, but being able to locate in the right quadrant of the zone, you know, keeping yeah. the fastball off the middle of the plate, being able to hit a corner with it, yeah. or slider, keeping the slider down and not hanging it, that kind of thing. Exactly. And But you're right. It's time to like really, you need to put up or shut up, kid. I know he's only 22, but mm-hmm. it's time to like, let's get going. Let's well, do this. I mean, the prospect rankings don't mean anything for a player, but at the same time, you, when you somebody you see him as like top five prospect yeah. in all of baseball, and now uh, Keith Law comes out with his top 100, and he's dropped him down to like 80 something. And he's 64, I think, on MILB Pipeline. So there you go. Yeah. He's just plummeted. Yeah. And that's just because he's kind of stalled for the last year. Yeah. And that's fine. Take that pressure off him. It's, it's, so we can at least say, the it's, pressure's off. It's kind of fine. <laughs> but, I mean, it definitely gives people reason to to have some concern. So he's not the only top prospect the Padres have in Fort Wayne. Dude, he is not. And I watched every at-bat of this. Bobby Barrel's hitting three bombs. The funny thing is, though, he struck out like twice. I'm like, okay, well, I mean. I think he struck out three times. Yeah. <laughs> which doesn't like him. He struck out two times before he hit the bomb. So let me just read this. Um, after the game, Michael Avalone from MILB talked to him. Um, it took Robert Hassel 23 games and 90 went at best to hit his first home run. To hit uh, the first three home runs of his professional career. I gotta just <laughs> sit down and read this. Hello. It took MLB's number 46 overall prospect 11 innings and six plate appearances to match that output on Wednesday night. Hassel tallied uh, the first three homer game of his career and drove in five runs. Uh, the number three pro- Padres prospect was playing in his third game with the tin caps following his promotion from the low A storm on Saturday. It felt good to hit that first one. But I kept the same mindset, Hassel said. Even after I went deep a second time, I said to myself, don't get caught up in those home runs. Just hit the ball hard. The Tennessee native cleared the right field fence for his first IA homer. He provided an encore with his second jack of the night in the sixth, giving his first multi-homer game of his career. It felt good coming into the game. And to be honest, even in my first two with the tin caps, Hassel said, even after striking out in those first two at-bats, I felt it was just a matter of time before I started barreling some balls up. It didn't necessarily think I didn't necessarily think I'd get all over, you know, they'd get all over the fence, 
But that's fine with me. Bobby Barrels. <laughs> Bobby Barrel barreling it up. So Hassel went down swinging in the eighth, but was afforded another opportunity with the game going to extra innings. The 20-year-old made the most of it, slamming his third round tripper of the night and 10th of the season. The two-run shot pushed Fort Wayne's lead to 12-8 to and proved beneficial in more ways than one when Great Lakes rallied for three runs of their own in the bottom of the 11th. And I, what I love about that is that it's a, it's a pressure situation. Yeah. It's not just, you know, garbage time home runs. This is yeah. extra innings. The game matters. You've got runners on base. Yeah. And he came through. I knew it was gone when I hit it. Hassel said of becoming the third player in four win history to homer three times in one game. Right fielder Angel uh, Andy Pages took a courtesy jog but knew it was gone. Honestly, I was only thinking about winning the game at that point. That was the biggest thing for me at that in that moment. Now, here's what the first home run broke a 5-5 tie. That was the first home run broke a 5-5 tie. Pressure. The second, the second game, the second homer extended the lead eight to five, and then they came back. And it, his home runs went to left field to right field. Yep. He hit one off a lefty, one off at least one off a righty. You know, so he's showing that he's using the whole field, yeah. and he's hitting against different types of pitchers and all this. Yeah, and the the, uh, the opposite field, you saw the pitcher went like, oh, he like bent down went, ah, I just he knew, knew it right he got away. It right. He knew yeah. it right so away. I love that when you see the outfielder like they don't even take a step, they just look like, oh, there it goes. So he became just the third player in Fort Wayne's 28-season franchise history to hit three home runs in a game. The recently turned 20-year-old joined Jonathan Galvez, a second baseman who homered three times at Parkview Field July 22, 2010, against Peoria, and John Bennick, who first accomplished the feat July 3, 2002, against Quad Cities. He also made MLB Pipeline's hottest hitter in the Padres organization, the top three, overall. So Hassel... Robert Hassel, number three, MLB, number 46, number three Padres, number 46 overall. Hassel's pushed for a promotion by going 20 for 44. That's 455 with two homers, six doubles, and seven walks in his final 11 games with Low A Lake Elsinore. He got a brief, slow start at High A Fort yeah, Wayne. Yeah, two games, yeah, slow right. start. <laughs> but quickly put an end to that with a monster three-homer game Wednesday night for his first career multi-homer performance at any level. The 2020 first-rounder's career is already off to a strong start with a 321, 411, 497 line. 10 homers and 31 steals through 95 games and two at the two spots. And if you can bump those numbers up with the remaining time in Fort Wayne, the arrow pointing up next to his name only grows larger. Yeah, they call it a rough start. He had yeah. two games that, that right. he didn't go off. He went 0 for 9, went yeah, for 9. He's still trying to get to know his roommates, right. his new roommates, right. and trying to figure out where the nearest grocery store is and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, give the kid a couple days to get his feet on the ground before calling it a slow start. Absolutely. And and he is two years minimum away. Like, I don't see him coming up at 21. I don't, I don't see him coming up at 20. He's 20 years old right now. I see him coming up at 22. Like, there's no need. You, you know, the, the fans are going, well, we have such a big problem with, with player development, which we're going to get into when we talk about the interview with Jose Azucar. It's because we keep bringing, the, you know, everyone wants to bring these guys up. You bring them up early. They're not a finished product. So they do a lot of that finishing in the major leagues. Well, and we got, for a decade, we were looking at our top prospects and thinking yeah. that this guy is going to be the next savior. Yeah. And then we were rushing to have those guys up. When's Hunter Renfro going to make his major league debut? Save me. We're waiting for Austin Hedges to come up because he's going to be amazing. Uh, and then it's like you push these guys up to the majors and then they struggle, they struggle. It, yeah. But now you can't give that time to these players. The These this team is supposed to win. They're supposed to win now. They're supposed to win next year and for the foreseeable future. So you can't afford to give a ton of playing time to Jose Perella because you're waiting for him to figure right. out how to get on base consistently. 
No, right. no. Let them do that in AAA. Figure out what teams like the Dodgers and the Giants do, where there's this endless stream of AAA guys that show up, and they weren't supposed to be anything special. And then the next thing you know, they're contributing every day. Yeah, yeah. The the pod. I think that's the the final step for the Padres player development is getting that getting that level of performance from people that can step into roles. You know, the, and the latest guy, uh, Luis Urias. You know, we traded him off. People are like, why did we leave him go? Why? This is why we can't develop these guys. He's hitting two forty eight. Right. Sure, he hit an upper deck home run a couple days ago. I think he's got 18 bombs on the season. Yeah, but he's hitting he's 240. He's into a pretty good player. He is, but he's not. That, that's 248 isn't really setting the stat sheet on fire. Right. And I know average doesn't mean anything, but we're talking about how often this guy's getting on base. Yeah, and he was supposed to be an on-base machine. Yeah, 788 OPS. Right, and so there you're, you're questioning the player development, and he was one of these guys that was a certain type of player until he got to double-A and really to triple-A, right. and then he changed. And why did he change? Who, who advised him during that change? How do they manage trying to, you know, what those changes were and, and what they wanted him to do? Um, and then if he wasn't playing like the player they wanted him to be, how did they try to go about bringing him back? Yeah. And, and that's the stuff that I think it's fair to criticize when you see a, a case like that where he looks like a, a potential everyday centerpiece of, your, of your, your lineup and then it just kind of falls apart. Well, what failed? I, yeah. I think it's fair to question that. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, those, you know, Tatis and Udi, it's like, that was the dream. That was our Prince and King right there. That was our up in the middle. It was going to be forever. Yeah. It was going to be forever, man. Uh -huh. Forever. Funny how things show up. Right. Now we're talking to Luis Udias who? Oh, Crone what? Yeah. Crone zone, baby. Right. And, 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 and our gold glove center fielder. Right. I saw James Shield jersey on Saturday and went like, ah. Oh. That's funny. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I love that woman. We're wearing that shirt. Yes. Wear that when the White Sox come to town. Please. Absolutely. Whoever that was. Yes. Um, <laughs> it was an older, very old lady. Um, but it, you, you never know what's going to happen next. Like, you don't, like, that was the darkest and, you know, I was there with the prices when Bartolo Colon hit the home run. And we were just like, uh, oh, so bad. And we got this young kid. And, you know, we got Tommy Pham in this trade with the throw-in and Jake Cronenworth. Uh-huh. Hey, we may be able to not develop, but we can certainly spot it in other organizations. You know, Trent Grisham, we got those guys. So so, so James Shields was a washed-up guy at the, toward the end of his career. And he had an albatross contract. And they still somehow moved him and came out with an amazing gem out of it. Yeah. So maybe something like that could happen again with a certain aging overplay, overpaid. See, but that Ugh. might have to attach someone like Bobby Barrels. Yeah. Or, or Luis Camposano, who hasn't played in six games. Or just a, a Brinks truck of cash. Right. <laughs> beep, beep. Yep, back that truck up. Just a big, big, big bunch of... Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what the offseason says, and we'll see um, we'll see if AJ Preller can continue to work that magic because that's going to be some magic. I, I hope he's still around to work that magic. There's yeah. a lot of people calling for a lot of heads right now. I see. I, that's that's the fan. That's the fan in me going like, no, like there's no reason why you can you can put the pieces together. You can even blame a little bit on 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 Tingler. He creates that the atmosphere. You can't make them drink water. You can't make them perform any better. You can't yell at him. It's no longer you can't go like, play, play, you know. Pitching coach goes out to the mound, pitch better. That's who. That's the bit, right? Right. Just pitch better, okay? Yeah, just, that's the Darren Balsley thing. <laughs> that's a, just pitch better. And he pitches better. It doesn't work like that. Like, you know, teams go into slumps.
And right, but okay, if if we're gonna go down that alley, uh, if a player has a bad game, makes a couple of bad defensive plays, yeah. strikes out in a key situation, swinging at stuff off the plate and all that, and he's supposed to be your team leader and and all of this, right? Taking the power away from the manager, right? If you want to say that, yeah, right. And so, isn't it fair for the manager to call that guy into his office and read him the riot act and smash some stuff and try to try no. to try to get his head screwed on straight? You could probably sit him in the office and go like, "Look, you know, you, you, you know, two two, they're throwing you that outside slider, or they're throwing you that back foot slider. Don't swing at it. You know, it's, you know, you see the video. It's not going to be a strike. Don't swing at it. He had a two run double yesterday. Yeah, yesterday." Right, and and I'm what not, about the couple games before right. that? And I'm not I'm like I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Right, I'm not defending Hosmer. I want him gone just as much as anyone else. But you have to look at the bigger picture. Like he, we have to look at the bigger picture. And sure, we have guys to play play first base. You want to put Crone at first? Absolutely. You're gonna put Frazier at second. And Profar started at first base and had a good game. Yeah, and he Mudcat called out how he was stretching. For a ball. Like, oh, hey, that's how a first baseman is supposed to stretch out to, to get a close play. And I can't remember the last time I saw Hosmer actually stretch for a ball. It's I don't like, think There's so can. many things he does at first base that are unorthodox. And it's just, it drives, it drives me nuts. Yeah. And then you see the bad plate appearances. And then he runs into outs on the bases. Yeah. And I... Okay, yeah, then he has a good game. He goes out there and drives in four runs with two doubles and makes a couple of nice scoops. And everybody's like, oh, hey, there's our... There's your guy. There's your gold glover. Like, no, you can't let that one game, you can't let one hot week define wow. a whole player. Hot takes. That's how no. number that's how the number six got retired. Right. And I'm I don't like that. I don't want Hosmer to be the next Steve Garvey, that he's gonna be garbage here for years. Right. But he's gonna be anointed because he did one great thing. I just ugh. <sighs> prestige value, man. Just think the prestige value. I need, I need to, I need to meditate somewhere. Well, and, oh. and so, and we're going to go back to this because, <laughs> you know, on the Cat Faith podcast, they they talked about how Hosmer took away the power from Andy Green. How 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 somehow in that discussion that was had in the clubhouse that that Hosmer took the power away from Andy Green and he Andy Green lost or not Andy Green, uh, Jay Stingler and Jay Stingler lost the clubhouse. Well, if he, if the players are going to listen to him, use him. You know what I mean? They talked about Tangler not having any major league experience. Who wants to listen to a guy who doesn't know how to play major league baseball? Well, if you're going to use the guy, then he needs to buy into whatever it is right. that the manager in the front office is right. telling him. But it's a hard sport to play. It is. Okay. <laughs> We're going way off the rails here. We're off so the rails. With there, crazy was, train. there was an article in um, in the Athletic recently talking about the amazing virtual reality system that that San Francisco has and a handful of other teams have that allow them to prepare for the next pitcher. That will show them the the pitcher's repertoire, their pitch sequencing, all of this stuff, and they're swinging at it. And the system tells them if it was a ball or a strike. I mean, it's an amazing way to prepare for a game. Um, but then. In there, they talked about how Buster Posey and Evan Longoria and Brandon Crawford and these other veterans on the team have been making changes to their approach at the plate. They've been working on things on defense to become better, even though they're veterans for 10 plus years. And right. they're, they're willing to be flexible and make changes and listen to the things that the analytics team and the coaching staff is telling them. They're coachable. And then on the other hand, you've got this article where Hosmer is saying, what I'm doing works. It's worked for my whole career, so I don't see why I should change. 
Yeah. If the team's not happy with it, maybe my playing time will adjust accordingly. Yeah. What what kind of an example is that setting for everybody else? Right. Like right. continuous improvement. There's always ways yeah. to get better. You shouldn't be looking at whatever it is that you're doing. I don't care if you're selling peanuts down on the street. You should be thinking about how can I find more people? How can I how can I make a little more profit? What do people want? Maybe they want a different flavor on my roasted peanuts. I don't know. Could, could you just see a, a little kid walking tugging on Hosmer's jersey? Say it ain't so, Eric. Right? Say it ain't so. Yeah. Launch angle. Launch angle, Mr. Posmer. <laughs> yeah, and then he just goes up there and keeps grounding out to second base. I mean, swinging at the back, oh. that back foot slider right and over you it. this Olay stuff at okay. first base. Okay. Okay. I, like, I just, you know, I, I, I'm not a Hosmer apologist. I, it's just for content. I've been dealing with some Hosmer apologists on Twitter, and I just can't help myself. So I'm a little bit fired up on the topic. And I love you guys, the Kemp fans. I'm going to have to tweet these guys because I just, that was a great, they had HJ on. And HJ was right. HJ was like, look, he put this team together. Maybe Brothers Head should roll. He put the team together, and it's like he made the sauce. Yeah. But the sauce isn't tasting good. Mm hmm. I'm. One thing I think I would like to see so we've seen some managerial decisions go absolutely the wrong way recently. There was an in game substitution in that long extra inning game that wound up resulting in the pitcher batting in key spots where there should have been a double switch at a key point. Yep. So that's where I think the manager needs to consult with the bench coach, with the other people that are there, because you've got Rod Barajas, you've got yeah. um, Skip Schumacher, you've got yeah, other guys in whoever. there. Whoever. And then. On top of that, you've got the analytics department that's supposed to be feeding information down. They should have a plan, like a script written out that if this happens, this is what we do. Yeah. And so there have been a couple of decisions in the game that definitely are head scratchers. I, I agree. And I don't think you can put that all on Tingler. I think if he had a, a bench coach that maybe had a little bit more of that game strategy savvy. Hey, don't forget you got like two guys left. Like you look at your lineup card, you're like, okay. In that game, what? Two pitches came up with the bases loaded, right? I think it was three. Three, yeah. Twice with the bases loaded, yeah. but it was three times, I think, that they came up and made the, the third out of the inning yeah. because they were able to walk Machado and, and Cronenworth to get to the pitcher. Yeah. And so that's the kind of thing that I just wonder if you have somebody with a little bit more of the leadership or the, the experience. I'm thinking like Don Zimmer back in the day right. when he was with Joe Torre, that he never moves. He just sits there and looks grumpy on the bench. But you know, every time Those there's something going on, right. he's talking about, well, if we do this, if we double switch for this guy, then, you know, and that's, that's important. And yeah. over the course of a 162 game series, that may win you a couple extra games. Yeah. And I'm sure it has, we don't know, but, but I, I, I get that. I, there, there's some, Criticism backed up with facts. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's going to happen in 162 game. You're not going to make every every move you make to the bullpen. Is it going to be great? Every move, every double switch, you ain't, you're going to have. Um, is it is it going to work out? It, it yeah. happens. But that and that game was very glaring because it was kind of in the skid mm-hmm. when we just were skid. <laughs> just stand on the mattress. Yeah, you know. Um, let's. So, but I was happy to see that after that game, that Hosmer just was garbage that the next day he didn't start. Profar started. And then the day after that, Hosmer started, but then there was an in-game substitution where there was a left-handed pitcher, and so he subbed out. Profar finished the game for him. So from the beginning of the season, people were calling for that, that let's see a little bit more platoon strategy and in-game substitutions. And instead, what we've seen is Hosmer batting fourth, fifth, sixth, every single day, regardless of who's on the mound. So from here out, I'd like to see a little bit more of that strategy used to try to optimize what these guys, because a manager's job is to put his players in a position where they can succeed. Yeah. 
So if you've got a lefty who's nasty up there and doesn't have a good track record, you know, lefty hitters struggle against this guy. Why are you putting Hosmer in the top half of your lineup? Yeah, and then you see that that butt out swing where he's trying to, you know, swing at the ball on the other side of the plate because it's that back to it's a you know off the plate slider. Yeah, yeah. And then he's swinging at stuff off the plate. He's rolling over it, yeah. hitting into double plays, ground balls, killing rallies, and all this. No, let somebody else start. And then if they bring in a righty reliever, then put Hosmer in there. Yeah. Let him come in and launch a bomb later in the day. I, yeah, absolutely. It's the, That's the kind of stuff that I'd like to see the team do a little bit more of. And I'd like to think that, I mean, the manager sets the lineup, and then once the game's going, it's up to them. Yeah, the analytics team can recommend certain things, but it, it's the manager pulling the the trigger. Yeah. So I get why people are calling for Tingler's head. I, I don't, I don't, none of us know what the players think of him. You're putting a new meaning into the word friars. Yeah. Right. Not frying on the farm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us. So, so let's move on. Okay. And, and, so let's move on. Um, John kind of talked to a uh, Jose Azucar the last time he was in El Paso. So Azucar, who was baseball America's uh, ranked, as high as 12 in the Tigers organization in 2017, still hung in at 27 on their list heading into 2020. The Venezuelan outfielder was coming off a career-best offensive year in Double A Erie in 2019, in which he was, which he only posted a line of 286, 317, 399. Defensively, he was seen as a standout with a plus arm and the ability to play all three defensive positions. He signed with the Padres last winter. He spent the first three months of the season in Double A San Antonio where a more patient approach pushes walk rate up to 10.2%, and his strikeout rate dropped to 207 although he slowed down a bit since his promotion to the Chihuahuas. Chihuahua. I would like to do that, Chihuahuas. In early August, he is still on track to post career-high numbers, career-best numbers by the end of the year. I've seen him for only about four or five games, and I like what I see, said Edwin Rodriguez, who managed him briefly in El Paso. He's a major league center fielder with a very good arm. He's an, an above average, he has above average speed and handles pitches very well at the plate. He uses the whole field and has some power. He's a guy that eventually someone will give him a chance and he is going to be in the big leagues for a very long time. You know what that quote reminded me of was Rafael Ortega. Okay. That he kicked around in the minors for a while. I think he was with the Atlanta. I think he was with the Angels for a little bit. He spent a year or two in the Padres system, and he's just kind of buried in Double A, Triple A. And then he goes to the Cubs, and he's actually had a pretty good breakout year with the Cubs. Now, granted, it's kind of a bottom feeding team, and they've right. they've liquidated a lot of their assets, so that's created the opportunity. But that's I could see Jose Azokar kind of filling a role like that at some point, whether it's with the Padres or somebody else. Absolutely, and he's had a great year. So, Mad Fires, what? What made you decide to come to San Diego? You played in the Detroit Tigers organization for a number of years. Did you have a chance to go back there? Or were there other clubs that were interested? Jose, I had a chance to stay in Detroit and other places contacted me in the offseason. I thought San Diego was the best place for me because they talked about working with me on my approach at the plate. It, it's really worked out for me because all my on-base percentage is better than it's ever been. And I like how I'm f- feeling up there. I really gotten much better at recognizing pitches. If they ain't, if they aren't throwing, going to throw me anything around the plate, I'm going to take a walk. Before, I thought I was always needed to get more hits. Now the first thing I think about is getting on base. Yeah, there's an old saying that you can't walk your way off, off the, the island. island. <laughs> so that's where you see the, in, the international players that come in, and they've got these really aggressive approaches where yeah. you swing at everything. I think yeah. all of this also, also some of that comes from the umpiring that you see where they're you know, really wide, large strike zones. Yeah. They know that you got to be Vladimir Guerrero up there or you're going to get rung up on something off the plate. Absolutely. Well, that's direct. So there's direct evidence of our player development. Mm-hmm. And there's direct 
numbers to back up that we can develop guys. Right, right. You see his strikeout rates going down, his walk rates going up. He's making quality contact on good pitches, yeah. which is what they've been preaching throughout yeah. the organization. You've been uh, getting on base, but your power numbers are up as well. How much has the new approach helped you to drive the ball? Yes, I've been getting more hard hits, doubles, triples, and that's that is because I'm not chasing the ball around the zone as I was before. You've played a center field in San Antonio and El Paso. How comfortable do you feel out there? I love playing in the outfield. If I don't get a hit, then no one gets a hit. Sometimes if I get a hit, they still don't get a hit. He laughs. (laughs) I don't care if my brother's up at the plate. I'm going for every single ball. Does his brother play? I don't know, but that's that's pretty funny. Um, You know, how much more fun is it to hit in Southwest um, Southwest University Park than Wolf? The Wolf's really tough because the weather and the field. The wind blows in all the time, so it's hard. It's a tough place to hit. What has the adjustment been for you to AAA? I think it's a little easier because the strike zone feels a little smaller and the pitches are more around the plate. So in, in a way, it's been easier. That's interesting. Yeah. So he feels like he doesn't have to chase as much. Yeah. He can be selective. Yeah, and he can hit that pitch that's close. You know, Maybe it's a borderline strike. He can hit that. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, I mean, and- Ted Williams' first rule of hitting was get a good pitch to hit. Second was, don't swing at the first pitch. Yeah, that's right. He never did. Yeah. Yeah, but I wonder if sometimes... I, I would love to go back and dig through the logs and see, you know, like, as his career went along. And right. If he started swinging first pitch more. Because <laughs> you get to know certain guys. You know that yeah. somebody's going to give you first pitch fastball, like Chris Paddock was for a while there. Yeah. You know it's going to be first pitch fastball right down, the, down Main Street. <laughs> it's going to be a meatball. Yeah. It's going to be a cookie. So I, it was a great article. I, I love that. I... I, I you know, he's one of those guys where you go, okay, we signed him for a minor league deal, and then you start seeing him playing a double A. He's like, guys, two hits, three hits. He's hitting all the time, moving mm-hmm. up. Yeah, and the guy's got some personality, too. You know, and that sounds fun. And uh, you like having those guys in your system. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You never know when somebody like that's going to pop yeah. and then force their way onto you know the major league. You have an opportunity, and yeah. they become an impact player for you. Absolutely. So let's move on to the affiliate rundown. All right. Finally, so let's- 40 minutes in. <laughs> Friars. Let's start off with the, it says AZL, but it's actually the ACL. We'll still call it the AZL. Please. It's so weird calling it the ACL. Okay, so strike one on Thursday, Ryan Bergert, who worked multiple innings for the first time as a pro, bringing him up to five scoreless innings since being drafted in the sixth round of the 2021 draft. The West Virginia product missed the collegiate season with elbow surgery, so the Padres are bringing the 21-year-old along slowly in his first year of pro ball. Yeah. Tonight was the first professional win for Elvis Saba, who pitched in relief for his second appearance in Arizona since being assigned to the ACL from the Dominican Summer League on August 27th. Saba, a 21-year-old righty from San Cristobal, uh, Dominican Republic, signed with the Padres this February. Undrafted free agent Cole Cummings hit his second home run of the season. The 23-year-old corner infielder was born in Orange, California, before attending UCSB, where he said his favorite Gauchos. sports team growing up was none other than the Padres. Yep. He slashed 259, 368, 481, walking nine times in 21 games this season. Yeah, he's every every day. He's in the uh, he's in the rundown, in, in the Mad Friars rundown. He's like he's 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 coming. He's coming absolutely. So strike two Friday. Right-handed pitcher Garrett Hawkins earned his first professional win, pitching two and two thirds of an inning with a hit, walk, and four strikeouts. Hawkins, the Padres' ninth rounder at the University of British Columbia. Lost most of the final two collegiate seasons due to COVID-19 protocols in Canada, but impressed in his inaugural draft league season in June. In a small sample of nine and one-third innings, Hawkins has a sparkling 15-to-1 K to baseball, a base-on-ball rate. 
So that's an interesting one right there. So it was the draft league season that kind of helped bring him up. Yeah. Um, so losing a couple of years because of COVID, and also he's in Canada. He's in Canada, in the University he's of British Canada. Columbia. Canada. <laughs> yeah. So that's not necessarily where you expect good baseball players to come out of. Maybe right. they're not so so heavily scouted. Right. So he doesn't get so much visibility, loses years with because of COVID, and then now this new draft league, because the draft is pushed later in the year, you have guys that are amateurs that can show something. Yeah. And they have all the metrics. They've got the the sensors there so they can see the velocity, the, the release guys. point, spin rate, and all that stuff. Um, this is the first guy that I've heard of that was really kind of able to find that route to get drafted. Absolutely. And he seems to be doing okay. I would say so. You know, and, and British Columbia isn't like Saskatchewan. It's just north of Washington. Yeah. And it's a little probably easier to get to. Right. I mean, Vancouver's a large city. Yeah. And you've got you've got some some metropolitan areas yeah. around there, but even still, it's a cold weather area. Um, but the Padres seem to be picking quite a few guys out of Canada. Yeah. And Alaska, Johnny Hamza. Yeah. <laughs> the only guy I can think of out of Alaska. So go ahead. Okay. So strike three on Saturday. Cole Cummings, age 22, added another double and RBI, extending his hitting streak to five. An undrafted free agent signee from UC Santa Barbara, the left-handed infielder is hitting 276, 392, 500. Fifth rounder Max Ferguson, another lefty hitting, righty throwing infielder in an organization filled with them, went one for three while shifting over to shortstop. Um, he was drafted as a second baseman. Yeah. Ferguson came into the year with high draft hopes after big production in the University of Tennessee's abbreviated 2020 season, but he hit just 253, 378, 461 this spring. So when I've looked up his numbers, what impresses me is the walks to strikeouts. That he doesn't strike out much. He's drawn a fair number of walks for you know for somebody that's brand new to professional baseball. Um, so kind of a kind of a close to a finished product, I, I guess, yeah. is what they're looking at when they when they draft a guy like this. Yeah, at 21, definitely need to be pretty polished and you're going to have to move fast next season. Right. He's off to a good start, though. Absolutely. So moving on to Lake Elsinore, strike one Tuesday, Angel Salarte, who's been moved up to Fort Wayne. So they're starting to really set that lineup for, I think, next, next season, who tied his season high with a three-hit performance, including his 15th double of the year. The 20-year-old outfielder pushed his average with the Storm to 303 as he continues a strong first run in full-season ball. With Venezuela and Fort Wayne, Gil, uh, Gilberto Vizcarra figures to get more of the catching duties going forward. The Mexicali native punctuated a solid August with a two-hit night, driving in a run in the pastime and part-time duties. Vizcarra hit 304 and struck out just seven times in 46 at-bats for the month. Nick Thwaites tossed five quality innings, striking out a season-high seven batters against just one walk to earn his second win of the year. The 22-year-old Ohioan has struck out 82 batters in 81 in the third innings this season, though he was allowed, he's allowed 1.5 runs per inning. So he's got to limit the walks and the hits. Yeah. The strikeouts are there. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, at, at that level... The strike zone is a little bit bigger, uh, and also the defense isn't as polished. So you do see you guys don't prolong as much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But the strikeouts are encouraging for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he, you know, he'll have these like gives up six runs, gives up five runs. Like he just has these bad outings, 
And then like this one, like he pitched five innings, one hit, you know, seven strikeouts. Like he has that up and down. These guys are still new. He, he oh, was yeah. a, he's a high school draftee. And consistency's got to be the yeah. hardest thing. And the, the, you can find the skill. You can find the guys that throw 100 miles an hour. They yeah. have a wipeout slider that, you know, maybe on a good day they can spot the, the fastball. But the, the guys that make it are the ones that can do it time after time after time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so for strike two, Saturday, the Storm put together another pitching gem to tie the homestand at three games apiece. Tonight's pitching excellence was the product of six different pitchers. Jackson Wolf started the game. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) Howl at the moon. Uh, And was ultimately the only one to give up a run tonight. A two-out, two-run homer in the second, but otherwise turned into solid effort in his third start for the Storm. The six-foot-seven fourth-round pick out of West Virginia struck out five over three innings and has 16 and 10 professional innings. Lou Arbert Arias would come in relief, striking out one in one inning pitched. Dwayne Matos would earn the win as he went three innings, surrendering just two hits and striking out two in a scoreless outing. The next three innings were taken by three different starting pitchers. It seems like the Storm have put together quite a few of those games lately. Yeah. They'll have a couple of clunkers where they get blown out, and then they'll have one of these games where they put together four or five pitchers run out there. Yeah, and just deal. Yeah. And, and just deal. I, it's, it's great to see, especially so late in the season, these guys coming up. Hey, Luarto, uh, Luarbert. Luarbert, thank you very much. Uh, and Mantos have been there all season, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but Jackson Wolf coming up. This is what, his third start? This yeah, he was yeah. just drafted this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so seeing these guys come up, they're drafted, they get their toes wet in the college, in the uh, the ACL, yep. the complex league, and then they come up and they, they start to contribute. That's that's pretty cool. I so, love this time of year at the Storm. So they got to start doing that. <laughs> Your starting pitcher, Jackson Wolf. <laughs> they got to do that. Maybe we can get him on the horn this offseason and see if he likes that or not. <laughs> Right. Whether that's it doesn't matter if you like it. It's going to be the signature now. Oh, okay. The howl. Okay, so strike three. On Sunday, Matt Acosta had his third straight multi-hit game, collecting a double along the way. Brian Torres, age 21, had a pair of doubles and drove in four on the day. The right-handed hitting middle infielder signed way back in 2016, but didn't make his full season debut until he joined the Storm in July. He got off to a brutal 6-for-47 start and spent more than two weeks on the IL with COVID, but went 5-for-10 with four extra base hits over the weekend. You know, COVID washed over that team pretty bad they lost a bunch of guys for a yeah. couple of weeks there yeah and that's that's tough that's rough it is you got you know you you hate to see, i hate to say it, it's so textbook you hate to see it right and i mean it, I'm, I'm sure most of the guys are vaccinated and a lot of it i'm sure is contact tracing yeah. uh but it just goes to show that we've got a long ways to go before this thing is going to be behind us yes keep wearing a mask get get shots yep all right, so take us to Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne, strike one Tuesday. Danny Dens, fear the gogs. Tuesday turned into another stellar performance in his 10th start of the season for the Tin Cavs. The lefty allowed just one hit across four shutout innings, lowering his ERA to 1.91. The 23-year-old has held opposition, um, the opposition to two earned runs or fewer in 11 of his 12 outings in 2021. Yeah, That's so a- these college guys, I'm wondering how... So he pitched a full season in college. Yeah. And now they're running him out there on a regular a regular schedule. He'll probably go off to instructs. Um, yeah. You know, so I'm wondering how much of a of a workload. How do they manage these guys' workload? I would I would love to hear some of that. I, it would be well since he's a non drafted guy. They probably leave him out there a little bit longer than they probably should. I guess so. Or maybe could. Well, you know, and that came to mind. So Danny Dens followed. I'm I'm sure we're going to talk about a McKenzie start here at some point. Nope. Oh, we already covered it. Okay. Well, Danny's the guy that followed. 
McKenzie. So he was supposed to start that day, and then he got bumped out of the way for the prospect. And I, I that's kind of a common theme you see with the guys that are undrafted free agents yeah. or that were picked late in the rounds that they get they get moved around wherever they need to be. You right. know? And you're a starter, but you Whack need, you need yeah, a reliever. I need you here. I need you there. Get out to the there. bullpen and get hot because we need somebody to go <clears throat> eat up some innings. So that that's that's the life of a yeah. of an undrafted free agent. But also, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Yeah, if he's pitching well and the and, and the numbers are there and the velocity's there and he's not sore, it's just stay you know game on. Yep. If he's getting to be known as a rubber arm, why not put that guy in the bullpen? Well, I mean that worked for Sam Williams in 2019. Absolutely. And he's having another good year this year. Yeah. Undrafted free agent got bounced all over the system, pitched well everywhere he went. It shows your resiliency, your ability to prepare and be flexible. So. You know, I'm on the Danny Dens train. Yeah, we are. Fear the gogs. And so I want to see this guy just keep doing well. So strike two Friday, Uribe Angeles had three hits and the Tin Caps pitcher struck out 16. 16? 19-year-old Angeles MLB rates as the number 13 Padres prospect is the second youngest position player in high A Central this season. Yeah, he kind of came out of nowhere this year. Nowhere. So I think you're going to see him jumping up a bunch of these prospect lists. Yeah, and, and I'm telling you, I got to like... Wait, he's just all over this thing today. So Noel Vela, the left-hander, struck out seven, which ties his season high with the Tin Caps that he set last time out. Relievers Ramon Perez and Edwin Benoncombo combined for three and a half, uh, three and a half innings of one-hit baseball with six strikeouts and no walks to get the Tin Caps through eight shutout innings on the mound. Chase Walters shut the door to end the game with three strikeouts. Yeah, Chase Walters having a really good year. Beastmaster. Power fastball. Yeah. Strike three on Saturday. Here's his name again. Eribiel Angeles' first home run in high A, but by the bottom of the third, the Dodgers affiliate had six runs on the board. <laughs> in addition to hitting his first home run with Fort Wayne, Angeles had his second consecutive three-hit day. Tirso Ornelas collected three hits, including his first triple of the year. Ornelas is coming off of the worst month of his year in August when he only hit 149, 262, 310. I think that has something to do with adjustments, though. He's making constant adjustments. Yeah. Johnny Hamza made his first start at catcher since August 6th. Hamza has been fighting a nagging shoulder injury since July, but has been getting at-bats a designated hitter. Yeah, yeah. Um, Terso, it's just another year. It's just going to be another year. We, he's still young. He is. He's still young. He's still developing, you know, but, at, but like Mackenzie Gore, at some time, you know, development isn't linear, but let's see something. Right. He's 21. And so he was at high A in 2019. He said high A again this year, but he's still young for the level-ish. So a solid step forward next year would be what you want to see. So he's hitting for more power. He's getting on base more than he was in 2019. Um, I think he's, you know, it's been hot and cold. Yeah. But the guy's making adjustments. He's working his butt off to, yeah, all the doubles. And then he starts trying to elevate the ball. And then that gets him in trouble. And then he's got to get back to what he's good at. And, it's just a 21-year-old kid trying to find his way. You know, and it seems like every time I turn around, he's seen the left-handed pitcher, too. Oh, like he's okay. Seen a lot, late in the game, he's a lot of left-handed pitchers. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah. So San Antonio strike one Thursday as Valdo Hernandez followed up five scoreless innings in his last start with five innings of two-run ball tonight. Tonight, they extended the scoreless appearance streak by Southpaw Sam Williams to seven. The last time he allowed to earn run was on August 11th, 2025. Or no, 2010. <laughs> <laughs> now, the 25-year-old out of Northern Kentucky is 2-1 with a 3.71 ERA and 13 appearances for the missions. Eggie Rosario has opened up the month of September with his first three hit uh, for his first three games, moving his hitting streak to four games in total. The 22-year-old is slashing 283, 363, 459. Biggest 
biggest pop-up since CJ has been Eggy Rosario. You think so? Absolutely. I mean, he was, I think he was playing more third base. Now he's over at short, and he is just pummeling the ball. Well, yeah, because CJ hit the IL, and that opened up the playing time for him. Um, because Eggy's kind of been on prospect. People have seen him. They know he's like a known name a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this year it seems like every week we're talking about him. God, he's still only 22 years old. So he's, he's that's old for, for double A. Yeah, a little oh, sorry, bit. It's young, sorry. Yeah. Okay, so strike two. On Saturday, the missions pitchers racked up 11 strikeouts but lost. Jerry Keel had five strikeout, strikeouts but gave up five earned runs. Henry Henry pitched two scoreless innings with three strikeouts but had three walks. Esteri Ruiz stole his 32nd base in 37 attempts to move into a tie for second in the AA Central. Though he's only 4 for 20 in the series, since July 1st, he's hitting 270, 321, 467 with 13 extra base hits, 14 stolen bases, and 16 attempts. Yep. Agustin Ruiz, no relation to Esteri, got off to a fast start after his promotion to the missions from Fort Wayne, hitting in six of his, of his first seven games. Since then, though, the 21-year-old native of Mexico has struggled mightily, going six for 57 with 20 strikeouts over the last 15 games. And talk about another guy being young for the level. Yeah, absolutely. Both those guys are super young. Um, Sunday, Pedro Avila worked four one-run innings, and the first time in over a month, didn't walk anyone. The 24-year-old has gone more than four innings since, hasn't gone more than four innings since rejoining the missions rotation at the end of July, but continues to flash quality stuff in his first season of work since 2018 Tommy John. The right he acquired from the Nationals in exchange for Derek Norris back in 2016 will be eligible for minor league free agency this winter. Boy, talk about money for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Derek Norris. Oh, yeah. My I mean, God. just getting the one just getting the one start, the pop-up start in uh, you know, in the major leagues mm-hmm. was enough to get the value out of that. <laughs> The domestic abuser. You yeah. can go ahead and call him that. But a poor example of a human. Yeah. And, you know, he was he was okay for the Padres on the field for one year, and then he was just awful. And yeah. it sounds like he was bad with the media. He wasn't a good teammate and all this stuff. It's just that he just had to go. And he went pretty quickly after we left, after he was traded. Yeah, he was done. He was done within two years, Yeah, I think. he bounced to the, the Tigers, kind of bounced around a little bit, and then yeah. that allegation came out, and he was gone. Yeah. But when, when they got rid of him, I think people were just kind of expecting him to get DFA'd or something, just send him off on waivers. Yeah. And the fact that Preller got anything for him was a win. And then Avila turns out to be a pretty good prospect for a while. Yeah. Made that one start in the majors. Looked awesome. So now it's nice to see that he's back on kind of a starter's workload. Yeah, Starting absolutely. to stretch back out after being a reliever, kind of a closer early in the year. Absolutely. And then coming back from Tommy John. So, look, there's still lots of value there. Right. There's plenty of value there. Talking about value, Nick Kuja, fan of the podcast, struck out the side to pick up his fifth save of the season. The 25-year-old righty was signed as an undrafted free agent out of the UMass Lowell in 2017. Has been absolutely dominant over the last seven outings. In eight innings, he's allowed three hits while striking out 16. On the year, opponents are hitting just 189 against him, but 23 passes in 41 and two-thirds innings have contributed to a 3.46 ERA. One of the first friends of the podcast. Yeah, very, one very. one of the first guys we talked to. Yes. Good for Nick. All right, so moving on to El Paso. Strike one on Thursday, we saw the Chihuahuas win a pitching duel. The game was started by Jesse Schultens, who is now on a seven-inning scoreless streak dating back to August 20th. The win went to Parker Markle, who set down the express in order by way of the K in the fifth inning. I love the uh, the, the Don Orsillo language in there. <laughs> Everybody's got their Dongo card just is marking a, a spot. 
Uh, this was the second straight scoreless outing for Markle, who has steadily improved this year, earning a 3.48 ERA in July and a 2.92 mark in August, as he's now lowered his ERA on the season to 4.53 while striking out a whopping 80 batters in 49 and two-thirds innings. It was the first relief appearance since 2015 for Brett Kennedy, and he earned the first hold of his professional career, who kept the shutout going in the sixth inning. Tonight saw El Paso use Reese Kinnear in the closer role as the 24-year-old righty who made 11 starts for San Antonio and has both started and relieved for the Padres, picked up his first save of the season and the fourth of his career. So I like, I wouldn't read anything into the closer of, of AAA, of Reese being a closer. They're just, they want to get him innings. Yeah. And uh, it look, I, I love the transition from him from a starter to a bullpen guy so that we can use those bullpen guys all the time. I, I don't know if that's a permanent change right. or if that's just kind of based on where the team needs have been. Because um, he came up, he made a couple of starts, and it was pretty clear that you can't really lean on him to get through the lineup really more than once. Right. Um, right. But if you got somebody that you need a couple innings out of, then then great. So they've used him kind of as an opener on a bullpen day yeah. more than a starter. Yeah. Strike two, Saturday starter Caleb Bowsley pitched six and two-thirds innings and retired 11 of the final 12 batters he's faced. Bowsley tied his season high for strikeouts in a game with eight. All the Chihuahuas' last four games have been decided by two runs or less. Joe Bimel keeps getting it done and has come back at 44 years old in his third appearance since the promotion to El Paso. They, uh, the lefty came in to finish the seventh, then returned to work a scoreless eighth. The lefty has held opponents to a 150 average. Oh, man, what a story. I love that guy. <laughs> I just love the story. Well, and as I said before, I want to see him come up so that yeah. there's a major leaguer that's older than me. Right. All right, so finally, strike three. On Sunday, Daniel Camarena, Brett Kennedy, and Kyle McGrath, who all have big league service time, allowed all 14 of Round Rock's wah, runs wah. in six and one-third combined innings. Ouch. <laughs> El Paso played a two runs in the bottom of the seventh to avoid the shutout, but this time wasn't in doubt from very... From very early on, um, Camarena's AAA ERA was 3.76 when he rejoined the Padres in August. But since returning, he's re- surrendered 10 earned runs in seven and a third innings. With Luis Camposano out of the lineup for the sixth straight game, no word on why he's been left out. That's an interesting little footnote there. Very interesting footnote. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, it. I I could only assume that he's it's fighting some nagging injury. Right. There's some injury there. Yeah, but it's not severe enough to put him on the yeah. on the IL. So he's a bench bat, and he just hasn't gotten into a game, maybe. Or yeah, I, you know, we you know we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. It could be a, a timeout. <laughs> maybe it could be a timeout. Go sit in the corner and think about what you've done. Your foot hurts, kid. Sit down. <laughs> After he's been hitting what hurt, three three fifty right. and slamming right. the ball out of the park every other game. And that's how maybe that's how. You discipline players. It could be. I, mean, I don't even know if there's a discipline problem there, but you know, with with uh, with how grumpy he can be, and it's maybe the way that they do that. Yeah. You know, and maybe it's just maybe it's just his injury. Why I, create the drama? Don't yeah, you? I'm not. I'm I'm not going down the drama. Yeah. I, I'm not creating drama now. It's there's enough drama out there on Twitter. I want to retract that statement. So if you want to find some some Twitter some drama, you can go out on Twitter and not look at my account. Look at other people. They'll be creating all the drama. <laughs> I'm trying to stay clear of that. I don't want to be the the main event of Twitter for the day. That's always a bad day. That's always a bad day. It never ends well. Because <laughs> if it's good, or, it's just if it's good. It's, bad if it's bad it's bad it sounds like a roller coaster it is all right a roller coaster of love okay let's get the show on the road you can find me on twitter at sd donovan i'm at zippy underscore tms go padres go padres